0: Welcome in, and welcome back to The Legacy, right? I am your host, the legacy of Jennifer and Kaiser. I am Zachary Kaiser, Buckeye Zach, as Andrew would refer to me as, because O-H-I-O, and Andrew, why don't you introduce yourself, or I can, I can. It's Andrew Joseph, we're back. We're back, and we're we're back to the, the Zoom gig again, so... This is a, this is a new adventure. We just keep going, just flip flopping. <laughs> but uh, we got ourselves a special guest today, and we're gonna get a little real on the legacy right? So uh, tune in. But uh, before that, you know what I gotta do, man. I gotta do my plug. I gotta yeah. do the ad. I gotta run it for my cousin. Go to fanghornforesters.com for all your woodworking needs, necessities, millwork, and if you got some construction work, I mean, on the table. He's out of Cincinnati, Ohio, southeastern Indiana, but he will come to you. Just make up the contract, his contract details on fanghornforesters.com, as well as everything else that he makes and his crafts. Uh, fantastic from coasters to anything just about woodworking. Uh, fanghornforesters.com. You know, Fanghorn, the leader of the Ents. We are Ents. He is an Ent. Fanghornforesters.com. Anyways, let's get right back into this show and uh, get it started. So we got to. Special guest, Uh, every one of our guests are special, but uh, we're glad to have uh, uh, Kasi come on, Um, producer for the Dangerous Thoughts uh, podcast, which is live on YouTube and Twitter every Sunday, and then wherever else that you can find it on, podcasts everywhere. So uh, how are you doing today, Kasi? I'm
1: here, I'm alive, and I'm dealing with my (laughs) (laughs) day-to-day.
0: It's. It seems like a trend though. Like what, throughout it, like, what's a normal day for you? It seems. And if um, I'm too personal, tell me to shut the fuck up.
1: <laughs> no, I. I tend to with the way our lives have been going, I tend to get personal with people that I probably shouldn't get personal with, because mm-hmm. I'm, I end up venting, and I'm. I have some random person, random soul, on the other end of the line, or the other end of an interview, and halfway through whatever I'm saying, I'll think, you know, man, I really feel sorry for this person. They just. They're just doing their job. They answer the phone. And here I am laying life on them, you know, mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, but That's no, the,
1: the average day for me, um, at least the last week or so, which has not been so average for the last few years, I've been making phone calls every morning mm-hmm. to try and find placement for my autistic violent daughter. Um, mm-hmm. she's 10 years old and she struggles, um, with her daily life and requires a lot of attention she has a very high level Mm -hmm. of care and so in the morning i've been making those phone calls we're we're on a time crunch to get her place right now Mm -hmm. um and the afternoons i've been dealing with my own personal medical situation with the va and whatnot that i've been Mm -hmm. putting off for the last six years now or longer but leading up to this last week uh our daily life has been cops. Like
2: mm.
1: somebody yeah. calls yeah. the cops on us, and like there's mornings where if we realize, oh, our, our daughter, her name is Dakota. Oh, Dakota ran away. Mm-hmm. It's like a game for us. Like, can we call the cops on ourselves before somebody else calls the cops on us? You know, like oh, you yeah. always want to be the first one to call.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, and that's a shame too. Like, and she's what? She you said she's ten years old. She's ten she's years old. old obviously autistic so I mean it's it's probably more like a game to her too because it's just it seems like yeah. it's it's a way for her to kind of vent in her own way. So yeah. I mean she gets fed up with denied access. Denied
1: access is her number one trigger. And mm-hmm. I tell people that denied access makes her homicidal and that's not mm-hmm. an exaggeration. Like she mm-hmm. goes full blown. So for her, like this eloping which the eloping started about five or six weeks ago now but once she realized that if she gets far enough away or if she's gone for a certain amount of time that she will get a ride in a police car that's a game for her now mm-hmm. yeah so now i'm gonna run away yeah. every day two three times a day so i can ride in the police car
0: hmm. hmm. Yeah, that's i mean that's it's got to be really stressful though just to have to go through that day-to-day thing and so so how how is the placement going like uh, no, it's they, not yeah
1: there there is no placement mm-hmm. um we spent five years in florida um so would you like me to give you like a little rundown like a history of how we landed in this situation that we're in now
0: <laughs> um hey it's up to you if you want to if you want to lay it out you can so
1: so i got out of the military in 2012 i served 08 through 12 and for anybody that was, has been alive in the last 20 years, you know that that was a very heavy yeah. time in the war. Like starting around like 2004 through about 2013, right in there, mm-hmm. the conflicts that America was involved in was just out of control. We were everywhere, and we had a lot of soldiers going off to countries that people can't find on the map and dying. And mm-hmm. I was a lot of my friends. I was a medic in the military, and I watched a lot of my friends go off and do just that. And yeah. In 2012, I got out. I got out on a medical board because the army botched a knee surgery. And I've been having issues walking since then. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But I got out of the military and my immediate goal was to stack cash. Like, I'm like, you know what? I want to start a business. I want to buy a piece of property. I want to have a farm. I want to be independent, self-sustainable, you know, all like the libertarian dream, you know? (laughs) Yeah. So I spent three years stacking cash. And I ended up buying a house on five acres in Brooksville. I paid cash for it, no mortgage. Mm -hmm. Um, There was a few things that I had to get done to the property. And I pulled like a $20,000 line of equity on it. And so Mm -hmm. like my equity payment was like $504 a month. And Mm -hmm. then I paid my power bill, which I did have some alternative energy sources out there, but I had a little power bill and I had Mm -hmm. well water. And I had septic. So my bills were like nothing. And I got to the point where I was making like $120,000 to $150,000 a year when I was touring. And I could afford to go take three, four, five, six months off if I wanted to. And all that money would just sit in the bank. My VA covered my little $504 mortgage Mm -hmm. if you will you know (laughs) and my like four hundred dollars in bills like i had vehicles paid for everything was paid for you know that was Mm -hmm. my mindset security (laughs)
2: Mm yeah yeah
1: so i ended up um, getting a phone call from my high school sweetheart uh i'd known her my entire life i have known all of her exes except for the current one that she was with for reasons Mm -hmm. um he was an army ranger and he was he was beating her he moved her out of state and put her in a house, isolated for her from her family, and started abusing her. Mm-hmm. So she called me up, let me know what was going on. And I was at a position in my life. Like, her dad got involved. Her dad asked me to help out because he couldn't do anything yeah. about it. Mm-hmm. I was like, you know what? I'm in, I'm in a position. I can do this. I want to give back a little bit, you know. And, and I I loved her. My entire life, I've loved her. And I care about her kids. So I went up there, and I stayed for a week. While I was there I, now granted I still had like a month's worth of work booked out but while I was there there was an eviction notice nailed to the door when I first rolled up I called the landlord and I told I told the landlord I was like look is there an amount of money that I can work out with you so you don't evict them you know I'll mm-hmm. be back in a month and I'll pick them up and you know get them out of your hair and mm-hmm. I worked out with him paid him some cash he agreed to let him stay for a month the following day the power got cut out so I called the power company and had the power turned back on. This this house, I'm not even living there. And baby daddy is abusive with a, uh, uh, what's it what's it called? Uh, restraining order on him. He can't go to the house unless it's to pick up personal belongings with the police officer. You know, mm-hmm. so he didn't give a fuck about the family. Sorry, can I say that? I'm uh, yeah, no, was, uh... I I cuss on my podcast all the time. I'm sorry. You're good. <laughs> so uh, I I paid off a bunch of their bills. Worked it out to where they could stay in the house with power for another month. I bought diapers for the kids. I bought food. There was no food in the house, no diapers. Mm -hmm. So I stocked them up, and then a month later, I went back, and I picked everybody up, loaded their stuff up, and moved them to Florida. At that time, Dakota was only three, and she was already showing signs that she wasn't quite your normal kid. Mm -hmm. Um, She broke an interior door in their house, went through the middle of it when when she was two years old in the middle of the night. (laughs) and uh she did it again it went at my house in brooksville and i had to build like this big castle door for her, made out of like two by sixes and had a two by eight base and mm-hmm. that big latch <laughs> yeah but that didn't even keep her in and in 2017 so dakota was four at this time hurricane irma came and destroyed the house so now we have five acres with no house on it and FEMA is supposed to be there to help, you know, that glorious government agency that helps no. in natural disasters. Yeah. I, yeah. I had friends of mine in Miami that were on like the seventh story of a condo built condominium and they're getting like a $3,500 check from FEMA. And here yeah. I am, my house is gone and FEMA is like not, nowhere inside. Yeah. No, yeah. <laughs> sounds about right. Uh, so we ended yeah. up being homeless. And mm-hmm. uh, from there, we got a little house in, in Newport, Richie um that's pasco county if you've ever watched live pd or cops that's where like all of it shot mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's like eastern end isn't it or is that yeah, eastern, yeah. Or, or sorry west west coast of florida okay. it's just outside of tampa okay it's like method central florida man you know mm-hmm. and while I, I was there i got i without any help from anybody you know i sold some things uh, put pulled some money together i rented a little house so i go from owning. To renting, and I went out of town to do some work in upstate New York. Now, my wife is de- now dealing with, uh, with you know my son's born. We have three kids at this time. She's dealing with all three kids, and Dakota not sleeping and being the way she is, she was stressing out all mm-hmm. the time. So she started drinking to cope. Like she every night, whenever she could get Dakota to sleep, she would drink as much as she could so she could fall asleep because mm-hmm. Dakota's gonna be up. And so she'd have like all these alarms set and she'd have like alarms on the doors of the house and everything because she could have tried to run. And I guess one of our neighbors called the cops on her while I was out of town
3: mm-hmm. and
1: they showed up at our doorstep at two o'clock in the morning. I was yeah. 20 hour drive away plus yeah. and they told me that I had two hours to come get the kids or they are gonna they were going to put them in foster care. Yeah. So I told them I was like, there's no way I can get from New York to Florida Two hours, know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah. they took the kids and they put all the kids, three three kids, three separate foster homes for 13 months. So that started our state case plans. So that's where the state, if you guys have never been through a state case plan, that's where the state comes in. They're like, your life's all fucked up. We have this incredible fl- plan that's going to help you get back on track. Mm-hmm. It's garbage. Yeah. <laughs> so by yeah. the time we comply with all of it, we spend more money on lawyers. We end up missing work to make all our scheduled appointments with the state. And our life started going like downhill fast. So we got to a point to where I, I found working local in Tampa. My wife mm-hmm. was working and we got a house. Uh, the rent on that house was like $1,700 a month. And I found a local gig at the Tampa Convention Center, making almost the kind of money I was making touring. It paid mm-hmm. all our bills wasn't much room for savings and that definitely wasn't enough to pay for Dakota services, but yeah, it, we were living. Amazon. Yeah. yeah. Then November of 2019 comes around and the VA has scheduled me for a disability rating evaluation. And this appointment was with a third party contractor outside of the VA. And I missed the appointment because they mailed the, appointment notification to my house that had been destroyed by Hurricane Irma, the -hmm. letter got to the house about a week after the house was wrecked and Mm -hmm. about two and a half months before I had a solid forwarding address. So when the mail got returned, it went to Virginia because that was the last address they had on file for me. So I never saw this letter. So come November 2019, my VA disability drops $800 a month with no hope to fix it. Like I, ha- I still haven't gotten that fixed. Mm-hmm. And then two months later, me working in the entertainment industry, you know, no gatherings over 50 people. This was a month before the cares act. I lost mm-hmm. all of the work that I had scheduled for 2020. Mm-hmm. So now we're not paying rent, but there's an eviction note. There's like an eviction moratorium and that's supposed to keep you, supposed to keep you safe. No. Yeah. <laughs> so about three or four months goes by and around july august of uh from like march april may june, june yeah about three or four months go by and the progress residential was our landlord's big corporate company they found all the loopholes and they evicted us during the eviction moratorium so now here i am with autistic violent homicidal mm-hmm. dakota two other kids mm-hmm. home, homeless again second time in just a couple of years three years you know <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. So all the services that Dakota had started up in Florida, we had to reset because whenever you move counties, switch addresses, you get new case managers, everything resets. So we went to Spring Hill, lived up there for about a year and a half, and I got another job, several other jobs actually that that time. Um, I got fired from several of them because the school kept on calling us to come pick up Dakota because they wouldn't keep her because, mm-hmm. you know, kids violent. They get out of school yeah. suspension, mm-hmm. and I lose my job. <laughs> and once uh, I lost I lost my job three different times there, we called Medicaid and found out that Dakota wasn't even on waiting list anymore that they had totally just like dropped her file. Mm-hmm. And that's when we moved to Colorado. So again, I took I sold a bunch of my personal belongings, I pulled some money together. I ended up being able to pay off like I had one other car that I had, I was making payments on at the time, but I paid off that car. And I moved the family to Colorado. And we lived in a hotel out here, a fentanyl infested hotel for three months. Some dude was shot and killed in the parking lot while we were there. It was crazy. Good times. (laughs) But we got here. That was 14 months ago now. And for the last 14 months, we've been navigating services in Colorado. And we've had one organization that helped us get into this house. And they pay half of our rent. Um, That is the only government service that has actually helped us in the Mm -hmm. last six years and they couldn't even do it on their own because when it came our situation was so bad that when it came time to put us in this house they only had a limited amount of funds they said that they would only pay half our rent um and they did not have money for a security deposit so we found get this libertarians are you ready Mm -hmm. there was a non-profit organization It has a board of directors that are that's members of the community here in Colorado Springs and Manitou Springs. And Mm -hmm. they take donations from the local community. And Mm -hmm. that little organization pulled together four thousand dollars for a deposit to get us into this house. Because the government resource could
0: not do it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That's awesome. Yes, it was awesome. Yeah, talk about some voluntarism on that one. Right. Yeah, seriously. (laughs) that's a good, that's good to have I and mean, good to look for. So. But the main
1: issue that I've learned through all this though, is, is mm-hmm. like, I sent you a message about an hour before we started this. Mm-hmm. Um, we have a lot of government services, government programs out there. There are hundreds, if not thousands of people on payroll in all these organizations and they're making 60, dollars 70000 a year on the low end. Some of them upwards of like $150,000, $200,000 a year no. salaries. And meanwhile, you have families that are trying to navigate these services that are disappearing. Like they're winding up on the street. They're winding mm-hmm. up like homeless, people who had everything. Like I had, I had everything, you know, it wasn't, I'm not saying that I was some rich motherfucker or, you know, I, mm-hmm. I couldn't go out and buy anything I wanted to, but yeah. I had my little shack on my little five acres of dirt. I had my two little beat up trucks that were paid for. I had my two little beat up boats that were paid for. I had mm-hmm. some farm, farm animals, you know, like I was doing yeah. well for myself. And yeah. now, through all of this, you know, all these people get paid this good money to drive our family down yeah. the ringer, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
4: Plus job security for them. I mean, they can, they get paid to help spawn your potential.
0: Yeah. You're right. That, that's the. I'm, I'm glad you brought that up on potential, Andrew, because that's that's what it is. Like it's all about. Everybody has potential to do something, but I mean these services. They look they, it, from the outside looking in. There's there's a benefit to them, but it's just so muddled with with bureaucracy, and there's just too much going on in in place that they just the, people just tend to forget that. It, you're dealing with people
2: <laughs> yeah
0: so i mean so you just you you lose out on a lot because of, of that and of course your your daughter is uh going through her spell and and isn't getting the help that she's needing and she mm-hmm. obviously needs it and both of you need need it of course <laughs> So. Yeah. Having to deal with her outbursts because of her issues, so, I mean, and and nobody's just willing to help, and then you're on the phone constantly, and and for what? Basically, just nothing. ring around the rosy pretty much. So,
1: oh man, yeah. This morning, I I spent I, this wasn't recorded, so I'll tell you guys. This morning, I was on the phone for two hours uh, with an intake interview for CCHA. It's a Medicaid program to help my daughter get her placement, and. While I was on the phone with them, two hours, I I missed two phone calls from the VA for my own personal health care, and I also had a Medicaid ride that set out in front of my house for about 15 minutes waiting for me and my son to get him to his appointment that I missed. It's one of the services that we qualify for. It's waiting on our doorstep. (laughs) Meanwhile, I'm on the phone doing an intake interview with this lady who's saying that literally none of the group homes and none of the residential services in Colorado will work. She's telling me this. I'm on the phone with her saying, yeah, we can't help you, so we're going to start looking for placement outside of the state Mm -hmm. meanwhile i have a service outside that i can't even use. Mm
0: oh bureaucracy (laughs) yeah bureaucracy it's it's terrible so i mean uh mind if i ask you i mean according to you like we'll get on the subject like the va like how how does the va work and i mean i know that i've heard stories some people it, well, some people, it does, but yet, they say it does, but, I mean... The VA
1: is great. If you have... If your life is great, the mm-hmm. VA is great. Mm-hmm. If you are living a, a a life with a little bit of struggle, mm-hmm. the VA is not going to be able to help you. It's, yeah. And that's because none of these government organizations, these government programs, communicate with each other. Mm-hmm. So... You might qualify – like I, as a veteran, I qualify for VA health care, and the VA has services where they can give me a ride to and from my appointments. Mm-hmm. However, I have two other children who are in school. I have one daughter that requires intensive care, mm-hmm. and when that VA ride shows up, they're not going to take into effect that I have two other kids that have to be picked up from school. I don't have a babysitter for them when they get home. <laughs> Nobody will watch my other daughter, and because of insurance purposes, they won't take my kids in the car with them so to get me to my appointment. So now I miss my appointment, the, or the kids mm-hmm. miss school, and we miss out on everything yeah. else because mm-hmm. it's
0: too complicated of a situation for that service to solve. Yeah, and in reality, you should be concentrating on everything else other than that. Like, <laughs> it, I mean, get your services, get them done, and get back to life. I mean, that's what it sounds like. You're just you're not allowed to have life. You're not allowed to live. And and I've
1: told and and this is another one for all you libertarians, volunteers, anarchists out there, like I know you've all heard the saying, a lot of Republicans say, you know, pull yourself up by your bootstraps, you know. Well, everybody that says that, they don't take into account that the fact that the government might have been what put you in that situation to begin with. And now Mm -hmm. you're telling somebody to pull themselves up by their bootstraps while they have the government breathing down their neck, making it to where it's impossible for them to do that. Yeah. So like I am capable of working. I can go mm-hmm. out and make money right now, but I have to be on the phone with all these services. If I don't answer the phone calls, they'll drop us again, mm-hmm. I yeah. have to do this. If mm-hmm. I don't miss out on the services, they won't realize that I'm missing out on the services and they won't see this the gravity of our situation. It's like, we have to prove to them that we are in a shitty spot for them to help us. But okay. I can scream off the top of Pikes Peak over there. Mm-hmm. That I can take care of myself. Mm-hmm. Like you're spending hundreds of thousands of dollars to do jack shit for my family. Mm-hmm. When a $4,000 vehicle, I will drive all my kids to their appointments. I'll take myself to, to my appointments. I'll get my kids to school. I don't need D11 transportation. I don't mm-hmm. need Medicare rides. I can do that, mm-hmm. but they will spend $100,000 on rides before they'd spend five thousand dollars to make it to where I can take myself, take care of myself and get myself mm-hmm. to my yeah. own appointments, you know. Yeah. Like the money's there, but they don't want you to be able to get yourself out of the situation. They want you to continue to rely on them.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean the the worst place the worst uh idea of slavery is dependency. I mean yes. it, it really is. So and then if you look through history, I mean go into the historical preference uh, or the extor hit historical reference so i don't know, say like the nazis or the communists and soviet union i mean you make them dependent and then shoot them all in the back of the head yeah yeah so
1: like i'm in the whatever the modern day concentration camp is i'm in it i'm already big, there yeah <laughs> um,
0: i mean the american concentration camp i mean it's it um it started with reservations i mean indoctrination schools forced inoculations i mean on the native americans so down well, you, to where you, they
1: have you on a situational house arrest. Yep, you know, Yeah, it's yep. like, oh, you're not really on house arrest, but we're going to make it impossible for you to get anything done.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> then you're just going to have to run through the ladder and hope that maybe you can take a breath. So maybe, <laughs> mm-hmm, maybe. as of this morning, it's not looking good.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so
0: no that's that's insane i mean how i i don't understand how how social programs really work i've never had to deal, deal with that i hope never to have to ever deal with that but i mean it just doesn't sound like it doesn't it, it it makes you wonder why there's so many people that are that are just so fed up and then you you realize you look at people that are that are really struggling they definitely can work for themselves and and get themselves out of it but they just end up they just they're so hammered down that they can't i mean it's it's yeah. like literally getting beaten ahead with a hammer until you're mentally retarded where you can't yeah. do it for yourself yeah. so and the state will drive you to that like
1: what most people don't realize is that any one of you You could have everything going for you. You could have that property paid for. You could have a six-figure job, all the shit. All it takes is one government, one time where the government interferes in your life. And next thing you know, you're caught up in the state. And once you're caught up in the state, you're caught. Like, there is no getting out of it. You're just in it. Like, And it could be for something as, like, something stupid. Like, you can get, like, a DUI. They could arrest you for drinking in public. They could get you depending on what state you're in, like a pot charge or mm-hmm. let's say like you yeah. have kids and something happens, like they could shut down the government and require mm-hmm. that everybody gets this vaccine and shut down mm-hmm. the entertainment industry. And now all of a sudden you lose your job and you're homeless, but now you're homeless with kids. So the state's going to intervene <laughs> and take your kids for their yeah. safety, you know?
0: Yeah. Oh, for their safety, which, yeah. is, which is sad. Cause like, I mean, I've known, I, I mean, growing up, I've known kids, I've had friends where their parents were, absolute garbage. And I've had other friends that had good parents and I've actually seen I've seen good parents get in trouble with the state and kids move to yep. foster care and you they don't care about these kids that are in abusive homes. Yep. So yeah, I mean so my mom saw that when she she was a bus aide for quite some time and then eventually worked with inside the schools um with with handicapped kids and Every one of the kids she loved them, and um, she loved them dearly and she she got to see a little bit just a little inkling of their life, especially when she was on the bus and most of those parents did not give a flying piss about, yeah. about I mean they were just meal tickets and yet these were these were families that for the most part were the uh quintessential dress and eyes upper middle class type of people, but yet they they were still getting services. So I mean, all the money goes all over the place. Yeah, a big
4: problem I think is that you know when the, people get into foster care and stuff like that, they don't want to deal with the emotional needs of the child. So often, more than not, they they drug them up on like SSRIs and stuff like that, so that they're just complacent. and they they don't have the right, the ability to full, fully appreciate their own emotions. They're just yeah. there along with the program, that, and they're, they're in there for years and years even after they're out of this foster care system just taking the ssri and drugs and other stuff Try to stay numb Mm -hmm.
1: there's been times like over the last five years dakota's been on several different medication regimens and they're every bit of regimens because it's like you're taking these few things in the morning these in the afternoon these at night this helps you go to sleep This perks you up. This brings you down because this perks Mm -hmm. you up so too long, and it's like every all the this medication balances this one. You have to take this because you take this one, and Mm yeah,
2: they'll
1: -hmm. put her on one regimen, and they'll start her out like kid doses, and they'll max them all the way out to where she's taking more than the recommended dose, recommended adult dose, and then they're like, oh well, this doesn't work, so they'll detox her and do a Mm -hmm. med wash for like three or four weeks, and then start her on a new regimen and Mm -hmm. then raise all those up and then oh that doesn't work so the bed washer it's just these cycles that she goes through Mm -hmm. to the point where occasionally like doctors will be stumped and they'll give us things to just pretty much tranquilize her Mm -hmm. make her a zombie you know
0: yeah that's that's the sad sad, you know she's the little
1: girl Mm -hmm.
0: just a little girl that just wants to live her life i mean she wants to be a kid i mean but Part of the issue, it sounds like all the the medical regimen of all these drugs that might be that might be an issue too. I'm like I got a cousin who is a sk- paranoid schizophrenic. He was diagnosed. He wasn't diagnosed until he was like in his twenties, but the signs were there around the same age as, as your daughter. He was about 12, 13, but um, he's been through the ringer. He's been he's been addicted to crack cocaine, <laughs> alcohol trying to get rid of those demons that's way to toll on him all the when he finally got into placements same thing only this time he's an adult he I mean luckily most of his case workers have been pretty good but they've put him on the drug reg- the drug regiment he's gone off of drugs he's been put on new drugs and now they're they kind of have him on drugs that work now at 48 years old But he's so far gone that it's it's not my cousin anymore. Like it wasn't my cousin that I knew when he was a teenager and I was a little boy. Like he's like he's completely far gone and it's almost like talking to a a twelve year old child, really. Yep.
1: Hmm. That's it. That's about Hmm. where Dakota's at too. She's I mean she's ten. Her uh they estimate that her level of intelligence is that of a three-year-old. Um, mm-hmm. They cannot get a good IQ test on her. Mm-hmm. Um, if you ask me, now I've lived with her for seven years now, mm-hmm. and I would have to say that she has a photographic memory. Mm-hmm. I, I believe that she is way smarter than what she's letting letting people like believe. But yeah. at the same time, if you try to test her on that intelligence, she doesn't give a fuck about you. Like mm-hmm. ask her a question. Like, mm-hmm. so, yeah. do you want to do this? Is it snack time? Can I have a cookie? Can I have a cookie? Snack time. Yay, snack time. Mm-hmm. Let's let's go happy meal, you know. <laughs> like she'll just mm-hmm. like start going off on her like random list of requests, and you can ask her anything you want, but she's not gonna answer you. Mm-hmm. She's just gonna answer you with a question, you know?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or, yeah. Yeah, the memory she, is on point though. <laughs> oh, I, I believe it. So and and I'm I'm sure she's she's definitely ten times smarter I mean, than than what's being let on because they say those with autism well, most of the time they're they're the most intelligent of any human being. They just can't articulate it.
1: Yeah, so. I've seen like some CT scans and MRIs and whatnot. Her brain is lit up, man. Mm-hmm. Like, lit up, mm-hmm. and it, to the point to where you would think there's like another life form living in there. <laughs> yeah, there was a time when she was she was probably four years old when this happened. Um, it was right before she was taken into state custody. We took her and the other two kids to a friend a friend's house. We were there for maybe 15 minutes. Walked in. We tried to keep all the kids in the living room. Dakota at one point ran down the hallway, but all the doors were shut. So mm-hmm. what she did, she went to each door. She opened it and like looked around and <laughs> closed it. Next door, opened it, looked around, closed it. Mm-hmm. So this was a year and a half later after the kids got taken into state custody. We got the kids back. A year and a half later, we went back to that same house. Walked in, we were there for like 15 minutes, and she went down the hallway, opened a door, went straight in a room, went in behind a picture frame on a desk. There was like this old toy from like the 50s. Mm, she yeah. remembered it from yeah. a year and a half ago exactly what room it was in, where it was at in that room. She remembered it just from a glance yeah. and went and grabbed it within like a few wow. minutes of us being in the house. When she already had it, she was playing with it. We're like, What the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> she is. That smart. sounds like. It.
4: That sounds like uh, something I remember hearing about Ayn Rand. Uh, she was asked about what toys she would prefer to have, thinking that she was going to get that tier- toy in the future. And so she said she wanted the ones she didn't like as much as she would have the one in the future later.
1: Mm-hmm.
4: It was kind of wild.
1: I don't know if she thinks that far, but her, her memory, yeah, like, yeah. like placement goes. Mm-hmm. She does, there are some like, She does have some rational thinking skills and we do see it in her everyday decision making. I don't think it's as far out or as like cognizant, if you will, as that. Mm -hmm. But we'll see that like short term. Like, like I'd rather do this now, knowing that I can do this other cool thing after, you know, like the next Mm -hmm. step is always more important to her. Like, what do we get to do next?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. No, that's yeah, that's awesome. That's that's what and that's what she needs to be able to get to do. But in the right, the right ma- mind frame, I guess. So, I mean, I'm hoping that uh, something can can finally give for you. But <laughs> uh, it's, it's the state, so, though. So, okay.
4: What a, we'll give oh. us just just a minute. We gotta for a break, and we'll be right back.
5: Raiden, are you receiving? We're still here. How's that possible? The AI was destroyed! Only GW. Who are you? To begin with, we're not what you'd call human. Over the past 200 years, a kind of consciousness formed layer by layer in the crucible of the White House. It's not unlike the way life started in the oceans four billion years ago. The White House was our primordial soup a base of evolution. We are formless. We are the very discipline and morality that Americans invoke so often. How can anyone hope to eliminate us? As long as this nation exists, so will we. Cut the crap! If you're immortal, why would you take away individual freedoms and censor the net?
3: (laughs) Jack, don't be silly.
5: Don't you know that our plans have your interests, not ours, in mind?
3: What? Jack, listen carefully, like a good boy.
5: The mapping of the human genome was completed early this century. As a result, the evolutionary log of the human race lay open to us.
3: We started with genetic engineering, and in the end, we succeeded in digitizing life itself.
5: But there are things not covered by genetic information. What do you mean? Human memories, ideas, culture, history.
3: Genes don't contain any record of human history.
5: Is it something that should not be passed on? Should that information be left at the mercy of nature?
3: We've always kept records of our lives, through words, pictures, symbols, from tablets to books.
5: But not all the information was inherited by later generations. A small percentage of the whole was selected and processed, then passed on. Not unlike genes, really.
3: That's what history is, Jack.
5: But in the current digitized world, trivial information is accumulating every second, preserved in all its triteness, never fading, always accessible.
3: Rumors about petty issues, misinterpretations, slander...
5: All this junk data, preserved in an unfiltered state, growing at an alarming rate. It will
3: only slow down social progress, reduce the rate of evolution.
5: Right. you seem to think that our plan is one of censorship.
2: Are you telling me it's not?
3: You're being silly. What we propose to do is not to control content, but to create context. Create context?
5: The digital society furthers human flaws and selectively rewards development of convenient half-truths. Just look at the strange juxtapositions of morality around you.
3: Billions spent on new weapons in order to humanely murder other humans.
5: Rights of criminals are given more respect than the privacy of their victims.
3: Although there are people suffering in poverty, huge donations are made to protect endangered species. Everyone grows up being told the same thing.
5: Be nice to other people.
3: But beat out the competition.
5: You're special. Believe in yourself and you will succeed.
3: But it's obvious from the start that only a few can succeed.
5: You exercise your right to freedom, and this is the result all rhetoric to avoid conflict and protect each other from hurt. The untested truths, spun by different interests, continue to churn and accumulate in the sandbox of political correctness and value systems.
3: Everyone withdraws into their own small gated community, afraid of a larger forum. They stay inside their little ponds, leaking whatever truth suits them into the growing cesspool of society at large.
5: The different cardinal truths neither clash nor mesh. No one is invalidated, but nobody is right.
3: Not even natural selection can take place here. The world is being engulfed in truth.
5: And this is the way the world ends. Not with a bang, but a whimper.
3: We're trying to stop that from happening.
5: It's our responsibility as rulers. Just as in genetics, unnecessary information and memory must be filtered out to stimulate the evolution of the species. And you think you're qualified to decide what's necessary and not? Absolutely. Who else could wade through the sea of garbage you people produce, retrieve valuable truths, and even interpret their meaning for later generations?
3: That's what it means to create context.
5: I'll decide for myself what to believe and what to pass on. But is that even your own idea?
3: Or something Snake told you?
5: That's the proof of your incompetence right there. You lack the qualifications to exercise free will. That's not true. I have the right...
3: Does something like a self exist inside of you?
5: That which you call self serves as nothing more than a mask to cover your own being.
3: In this era of ready-made truths, self is just something used to preserve those positive emotions that you occasionally feel.
5: Another possibility is that self is a concept you conveniently borrowed under the logic that would endow you with some sense of strength.
2: That's crap!
5: Is it? Would you prefer that someone else tell you? Alright then, explain it to him.
3: Jack, you're simply the best. And you got there all by yourself.
5: (sighs) Oh, what happened? Do you feel lost? Why not try a bit of soul searching?
3: Don't think you'll find anything, though.
5: Ironic that all those self is something that you yourself fashion. Every time something goes wrong, you turn around and place the blame on something else.
3: It's not my fault. It's not your fault.
5: In denial, you simply resort to looking for another, more convenient truth, in order to make yourself feel better.
3: Leaving behind in an instant the so-called truth you once embraced.
5: Should someone like that be able to decide what is truth?
3: Should someone like you even have the right to decide?
5: You've done nothing but abuse your freedom.
3: You don't deserve to be free.
5: We're not the ones smothering the world. You are.
3: The individual is supposed to be weak, but far from powerless. A single person has the potential to ruin the world.
5: And the age of digitized communication has given even more power to the individual. Too much power for an immature species.
3: Building a legacy involves figuring out what is wanted and what needs to be done for that goal. All this you used to struggle with. Now we think for you.
5: We are your guardians, after all. You want to control human thought? Human behavior? Of course. Anything can be quantified nowadays. That's what this exercise was designed to prove.
0: We we're back. back. So, uh, yeah, that brings me to the next uh, little thing that we can we can discuss. And, Andrew, you just mentioned it when we were just kind of screwing off with, before coming back on. Um, the cycle of getting out of debt. It's like, is there any, any way, any way, shape, or form, like any easy way to get out of debt, especially with the state we're reading down on you or in Andrew's case himself? For the most part, I mean. For, for, I mean, I did it once before.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, I I will say this, getting, and this applies more in today's economy than it did when I got out of debt. When I was in the military, I got out of the military. You know, in the military, you don't make shit. I was making like $33,000, no. $36,000, something like that a year. Um, no. When I got out of the military... I just went on the grind and my number one goal was to buy a house on a piece of land to have mm-hmm. something that I own, that I have equity in equity mm-hmm. is that key word. Now there's a couple different ways you can get there. You can pay off all of your current debt, mm-hmm. whatever that may be, and fix your credit. You know, do make whatever little credit card payments, get like a little loan, pay it off, spend years mm-hmm. fixing your credit. Mm-hmm. where you can get that nice percentage rate on your mortgage and then you can buy a piece of land Yeah. or what i did was i my, now granted i didn't have a shitload of debt so if you have a shitload of debt this might not work for you but i had like it's probably like 18 grand 20 grand somewhere right in there mm-hmm. and i found a piece of property for eighty thousand dollars and it had an old dilapidated house on it
2: mm-hmm. but
1: yeah. it was livable you know So, what I did is instead of paying off that 20 grand, I just saved up the money for that house. Mm -hmm. Then I bought the house. I had equity in it. And -hmm. then I pulled a home equity equity line of credit and I just fixed my credit like instantly. I just paid off Mm -hmm. all my debt. And then while I was in the house and I was making my little uh, lien payment that I had, I had a couple small credit cards. And then after I bought the house, after I paid off all my big debt, Mm -hmm. Then I focused on building my credit afterwards. Mm -hmm. That might be easier in today's economy. It might be more uh, achievable in today's economy versus trying to pay off all your debt, trying to Mm -hmm. fix your credit. You know, like if you have the means to put off whatever bullshit you have going on in your life that's bringing you down, Mm -hmm. and you see a way out where you can do it on your own without anybody's help, I would say do that. Mm-hmm. Like if I knew, and I'm still searching, but if there is some way where I could go to work for somebody or figure out something, make some money or do something through alternative means and not have to rely on all these government resources that we're relying on right now, I would drop all this right now and focusing on focus on fixing my situation myself because mm-hmm. you can do it faster than the state. I take it from somebody who's been dealing with the state for six years, mm-hmm. you can do it faster. I did it in three.
0: Mm-hmm. I saved up 80
1: grand three years i was mm-hmm. debt free had all the shit yeah, yeah. anybody could do that but it takes hard work it's and it really comes down to self-motivation you have to do it yourself you can't rely well, on other people
0: well with uh on the on that subject like my cousin and i were talking once and uh he said to put in some debt in order to build like a new pole barn that he put up because mm-hmm. he's trying to start his woodworking business go further on it and He's built up the little house on, uh, that we have on our family property, kind of like your situation. You bought a piece of land, dilapidated house, it's livable, yeah. it up. Well, there's a little house on my family, my aunt and uncle's land down there. It's actually, and um, he moved into it, fixed it up, had help, obviously. Most of it he's done on his own, just learning. And um, he's fixed it up nicely, but he's had to go in the debt truck, uh, the barn. And then all yeah, and the one thing he told me this was probably two or three months ago. He's like, I don't. I mean, who cares? The economy's going to, going to shit anyway. It's like, go into debt when it when it when it all comes crashing down. It, it's a clean slate. It's like, yeah, what do they do? Come after you? They're they're going to be dealing with their own shit. They're yeah. probably not even going to be in existence. The the tax collectors and the and then the private firms that work on the public side of the goods i mean you no know i mean mortgages banks i mean they're they're gonna be done if the shit were to hit the fan
1: <laughs> yep
0: so so he's basically like well, i don't care if i am in debt i'll just keep doing my thing and keep uh trying to become self-sustainable and and whatever happens happens so yeah
1: <laughs> yeah whatever happens happens mm mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> Me on the other hand, I'm 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 Austrian brain. I'm like, uh, I gotta figure something out to where, gotta save a little bit, gotta find other options, mm-hmm. gotta figure out this and that. Like, let's juggle it because I'm like, yeah, I don't I don't want debt. Period. But starting yeah. to starting to come through and to, to that line and say, but who cares? Why am I freaking out? Just take one day at a time
1: well there's really fun. big ranches right here on the other side of uh Pikes Peak that are beautiful and like clear water bubbles up out of the ground and elk run across your property it's like the libertarian like Garden of Eden out there <laughs>
0: <laughs> I think that's his goal actually eventually he wants to go out west because he's been out west he he used to be uh he got his yeah he 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 got his degree in uh, I forget exactly what it was, but he was like in the he was he did the maintenance and like the touring thing like at the national park. He's been to Utah, Oregon, Colorado, Wyoming. So uh, last place he was at really was uh, um, but he had to come back for circumstances. <laughs> so, but his goal, was like, I mean, he's he's in a good place now, but uh, you don't know. I mean, he wants to he wants to maybe go branch out again build a big old compound in wyoming or something or colorado well wyoming's only two hours
1: north of here and uh i will say that colorado does have a free state project it's not quite as big as new hampshire but Mm -hmm. it's slowly growing and in my opinion this would be a very good state to have a project like that Mm -hmm. colorado is already a very libertarian state overall If you Mm -hmm. just like take away Denver, (laughs) like Denver is like the majority of the population, you know, like in Polis is up there and that's, you know, Mm -hmm. we're a a Democrat state. However, Colorado Springs is a Republican city Mm and most, the El Paso County is a libertarian county. This, for those of you that didn't know, Colorado Springs is the birthplace of the Libertarian Party in the United States, Mm -hmm. Uh, 1971 in a basement right here know yep.
4: that's wild
1: <laughs> yeah so as far as like gun laws are concerned like we have a you know denver and we have a democrat government if you will mm-hmm. but we have uh sanctuary counties or whatever you know nullification is a thing here like if mm-hmm. the state were to pass some bullshit gun laws which they already have like colorado has magazine capacity laws but you can walk into any gun shop in Colorado Springs and stand right next to a police officer and buy a thirty round mag over the counter, mm-hmm. and they're not going to say shit mm-hmm. because that's yeah. your right. <laughs> yep, yep. And Colorado Springs Police Department, El Paso County Sheriff's Office, they will not enforce all that gun bullshit. Nope.
0: <laughs> and then, of course, yep. uh, marijuana is legal. So yep,
1: yeah, yep. De- no. Depending on now, depending on what officer you run across. You can pretty much walk anywhere out here with a gun on your hip and a joint in your mouth, and nobody will fuck with you as long as you're not causing a problem. Nobody will fuck.
4: with you. Yeah.
0: Which is how it should be. Yeah. I mean, yeah. If you're not if you're not harming anybody, what's the what's the big deal? Gun yeah. on the hip, joint in the mouth. I mean, gun to my head. You know, <laughs> and yeah. Who cares? I can have a gun to my head. Who am I hurting? Me? <laughs> am I gonna blow my right. own brain? Yeah. I mean. So, you're hurting
1: the poor sap that has to come along afterwards and clean that shit up. Okay,
0: yeah, <laughs> that's that is true. <laughs> it's like everybody, everybody that jumps out of windows is like you selling the store. Man, shit.
1: somebody's got to mop you up.
0: So you
4: destroyed mm. my car. I hope you're happy with yourself.
0: <laughs> I'll just, yeah, as easy as the great legendary Easy mm. would say, I'll throw in the gutter. And go buy another. And go buy another. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, no. well, Andrew, Andrew, I, I, I think you had something to say, actually, unless you forgot. Uh no. Something to Say. Oh, I said I thought you had something to add earlier.
4: Oh no, I'm good. I was just, you know, thinking, thinking about the situation.
0: mm mm-hmm. Yeah, that's know. the thing about situations i mean speaking of situations and getting out of them we're going to get into Andrew's favorite favorite discussion topic uh the the crypto scheme bitcoin bitcoin i mean what do you think about that Kasi?
1: you don't want to hear my crypto stories my crypto stories make you want to go out and make a mess on the sidewalk (laughs) so all right i'm going to take you way back to when i first got out of the military all right so I got out in uh, 2012, and I I moved back to Florida, and uh, I had some friends of mine. We all came together, and we rented this warehouse. We found a warehouse in Lakeland, Florida, and a bunch of my, like, rockabilly friends from when I was growing up, and we were like, it would be so badass to just get a warehouse and do whatever we want with it. Yeah. So when I got out of the military, we did just that. And we had a seventeen thousand square square foot warehouse and we put a wood shop in it. We had a tattoo parlor in it. We had some guys that did hair there on occasion. Um we had a room with a bunch of Bitcoin miners. This is in like two thousand twelve. Okay.
4: Yeah. Well it was we like two uh-
1: like Bunch of Bitcoin miners, and at the time in 2012, these miners were making round. Now Bitcoin was all over the place back then, like it is now. But mm-hmm, yeah. prof- profit, we were clearing between eighty and two hundred and twenty dollars per day, depending mm-hmm. on where Bitcoin was at with our power and whatnot. Mm-hmm. All right, we also uh, we started building a skate park in there. We had uh, my buddy Mike. He built a little apartment for himself. Like it was set up, it was a cool pad. Mm-hmm and we were a bunch of punk kids like i was fresh out of the military and i thought bitcoin was stupid it was like back then like that's when the memes really started because like back mm-hmm. then it was like when somebody would be like oh i'm gonna buy a pizza with a bitcoin you know like it was really yeah. cool to see what you could buy and yeah. if you loan somebody money they were making the joke like hey man uh, you owe me eight dollars that's okay i'll pay you your twelve dollars tomorrow the next day hey man you owe me 25 dollars. man i'll get your six dollars when i'm done eating you know like it was yeah. just like all over the place yeah so i didn't i thought it was bullshit and i was i was starting to do shows again and i'm starting to make good money and i was handling my own finances and pretty much everything at that warehouse for me and damn near everybody else there was just a fun play thing you know yeah so every night we cash out our bitcoin and we throw it on a prepaid card and we go up to the gas station and we get a you know a couple cases of peps mm-hmm. and a couple packs of cigarettes and then we run down to the hood and we get you know a half ounce of weed mm-hmm. and we go out behind the warehouse, we have a bonfire, mm-hmm. and we had like a little get together every night. We got some food, yeah. barbecued. Mm-hmm. That's what we spent our Bitcoin on. And we were spending anywhere between a half and a bitcoin per day doing yeah. That. Yeah. <laughs> so that that was like the first bitcoin tragedy i'm thinking back like man i was i was spending that bitcoin on beer and cigarettes like (laughs) to me uh,
0: to me and Andrea, we would be thinking that's exactly what bitcoin's all about that's what it was (laughs) supposed to be yeah so so then come 2015 january
1: 2015 my dad died and there was a big back and forth and my dad was not a rich man um, he had a property that was being foreclosed on and he left it with his ex. <laughs> and then he had a property that he had inherited from my uncle who had just died like two years prior. Mm-hmm. And this property was worth like 115 grand, something like that. Mm-hmm. And my dad had several kids and my sister tried to, my stepsister tried to take, all of it from what i gather i'm not you know what i don't know she might watch this and it it was it was a rough time back then we were all going through a lot Mm -hmm. um some things were said and i'm not gonna i'm not gonna come out and say that she tried to take everything but Mm -hmm. uh she did have this strong recommendation and she got really pissed when we didn't take her advice but she wanted to create a bank account and have everything go into that bank account that she controlled Mm -hmm. and she'd be like the executor of my dad's will Mm -hmm. and none of us trusted her to do that let's just say that i'm not gonna say she was coming after everything but it sure did look like it (laughs) but in the end i ended up getting after taxes and all the bullshit i ended up getting like 45 to 50 grand and Mm -hmm. my buddy mike that i had mine bitcoin with back in 2012 he was like hey man why don't you take like 25 grand and drop it in bitcoin and just forget mm. about it this is in mm-hmm. 2015 No, oh, yeah 25 grand at the time bitcoin was like a couple hundred bucks you know like bucks mm-hmm. 200 like that yeah, yeah. <laughs> and i've i've done the math and it's depressing i I don't remember what it was but it was in the millions like yeah. <laughs> And I didn't do it. I was like, no, Bitcoin's just that fucked up thing we used to buy beer with, you know. Like, I'm gonna buy it, and it's gonna drop down to a hundred dollars, and I'm gonna lose. Mm-hmm. You know, I, like I didn't get chunks of money, you know. I had to bust my ass to get the money that I was, you know, getting. Mm-hmm. And to have that little bit of money, I was like, this is a nest egg. I was like, I'm gonna do some other things. I ended up putting some of that money into the property for some improvements and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Which I lost all that with the hurricane. So you know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And such is life but mm-hmm. I made those decisions and I was making those decisions for my, my reasoning was security. You know, I wanted mm-hmm. a place where I could, I wouldn't have landlord or cops or somebody just come and kick me off my property. You know, it was my my yeah. piece of dirt. I wanted mm-hmm. that.
4: Yeah.
1: I know that. So I made those decisions and I live with it.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 I
4: had a little bit of a hard story with my Bitcoin. <laughs> Back in twenty fifteen I got some miners, right? I was working at Walmart. And I'm thinking I'm trying to think long term. And so I started mining and I'm you know, I'm gonna pay the life bill because I know this stuff's expensive, right? And my my parents are like, Well we didn't ask permission for this, so you're gonna have to help us pay. I'm I'm, I'm stuck out in the middle of nowhere. I'm living with my parents, right? This is Bitcoin's like two hundred dollars a coin. So I'm like, Okay. So I, I go along with it. We sell I had to sell like six or seven Bitcoin uh, out of the ten that I'd mined in the time for like a thousand dollar that. I don't know how much it was, but
2: mm-hmm.
4: later on, a couple months, year, or a couple months or a year later or something like that, it go all, all the way up to twenty thousand dollars. Like, mm-hmm.
0: yep.
4: and I constantly write them about this. Like, I tried to tell you about this, and you just wouldn't listen to me.
0: Gonna, you spent
4: a thousand dollars when you could have had, you know, a hundred thousand
1: mm-hmm.
0: dollars. Yep. Yep. Could have paid off mortgages. Yeah. Yep.
2: And cool.
0: that, that, that's how it goes with Bitcoin. I mean, it's just it's a do or die situation. Like, we didn't know. Yep. Like, you go back in time We probably we would be now. We would be the richest if we could just jump in a time machine right now and just go back in time, buy it in 2012 at fifty (laughs) dollars. Yeah, but (laughs) but, I mean, now I mean it is what it is, and then I mean I I look at Bitcoin now. It's been it's 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 honestly it's been hijacked. (laughs) Yeah, it's definitely a write-off for the central banks so around the world. I mean, and you've we've seen the corrections that it's made with like the forks and the nodes of Bitcoin cash. And then the Monero that's coming up, like Monero was basically Bitcoin, what Bitcoin was in 2015 and earlier. So, and it's more private. So maybe that's, maybe that, that's, that's where it goes like in the crypto sphere.
1: I want to tell you one of my favorite conspiracy theories. You guys like conspiracy theories on this channel? Oh, uh, yeah. of, of course. <laughs> I, Andrew, I don't remember
0: give, what's that? I said Andrew give him the Alex Jones.
1: <laughs> so yeah, I don't water.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: I don't remember the name of this guy but he's one of those like millionaire billionaire types that runs in the circles with like Gary Vee, Grant Cardone, he's like in that mm-hmm. group, you know. He's yeah. you know, white hair, shorter, he always wears a vest and like a watch and he's always mad and yelling at you. I don't remember mm-hmm. his yeah. fucking name. Peter Schiff. He, what's, what Peter, was that? Peter Schiff. Yeah, that sounds right. <laughs> so he um he did like this, I don't know, Ted's talk type thing. And he was saying, talking about Bitcoin. He goes, you know, Bitcoin was invented by Shatoshi Yakamoto, whatever, Yakamoto. Yakamoto, yeah. Yakamoto, yep. And he goes, Nobody knows who that is. He goes, well, at least nobody thinks that they know who that is, but you all know who that is. He goes, I know who that is. And if you guys knew who that was, you guys wouldn't be buying this Bitcoin. Yeah. And so after hearing that, and I'm sure other people have come to a theory similar to this, but my <laughs> my theory on this now is that back in 2011, probably the 10 years prior, you know, probably 01 through 11, uh, the state, the government, the elite everybody mm-hmm. knew what was going on they were watching like they knew 20 years ago that the dollar is going to collapse five years from now or 10 years from now like they can see all this they have all yeah. the protections yeah and i feel like especially in 2020 when they started the money printers going you know i feel like they're mm-hmm. pushing for it to happen on a deadline now like i feel like they're racing some sort of clock out there
3: mm-hmm.
1: but i feel like the world elite is that Shitoshi Yakamoto. And there's all the stories where he kept, like, half the Bitcoin in in some wallet or whatever that was out. I don't fucking know. Mm -hmm. That could be the world elite securing their place in the new economic system. And that's why we don't know who that is. And so all of, like, these new, like, the U.S. uh, the digital currencies, like the USDC, whatever – Mm -hmm. um all that all those currencies around the world they're all going to be like stable coins or backed by stable coins and all this shit yeah Mm -hmm. i have a gut feeling that that's going to be the end game use for the bitcoin blockchain Mm -hmm. like everybody says that bitcoin is useless i don't think it's useless (laughs) it does it's a blockchain it's tracking Mm -hmm. and i feel that my conspiracy theory is is that we don't we haven't seen what that blockchain is going to be used for in-game. Mm-hmm. And it could be to back all of these new world currencies. And that Satoshi Yakamoto could be the current world elite. And yeah. they're already set up to be the, the world elite for the next economic system. And mm-hmm. all of us liberty-minded people that think that we are sticking it to the man by using alternative <laughs> currencies, jokes on us. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> right. Because we're just buying into theirs and promoting theirs.
0: Yeah. Another another conspiracy theory that I'm gonna I'm gonna add on to this. We're gonna create a new one. <laughs> Satoshi Yakamoto is Alexander Soros. That'd be spooky.
4: Yeah. Well, I mean, the thing is nobody really knows who Satoshi Nakamoto
1: is. Mm-hmm. I I wouldn't put it past him.
4: He's even more left than his
0: father. Yeah, he is. Yeah. So, or it could just be a couple of teenagers in their mom and dad's basement back in two thousand eight, two thousand nine, and they and now they're they they rob the world blind. (laughs) You don't know how to be real economy. Yeah. (laughs) And now they're in their thirties and and. And their rifts between beyond their wildest dreams, and yeah, they're,
1: they're living it up over there in the the United Arab Emirates somewhere with the princes and whatnot. And nobody really knows how much they're worth. Mm-hmm. <laughs> one <rubble. So> that <laughs> Yeah,
0: they're all worth that, one.
4: That's who that prom, prom prince killed.
0: Oh. Hmm. <laughs> or we're feeding it money (laughs) money, printer go birth conspiracy (laughs) yep so now that's that's uh that's pretty interesting man um i don't think i'm ever gonna forget that now
1: yeah that one and uh justin castro those are my favorite conspiracy theories the bitcoin one and uh justin castro
0: Mm. Wait, hold! On. I don't think I've heard the other one.
1: Justin Trudeau is Castro's son. Oh, yeah, I've heard, heard that.
0: that. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, uh, you know, I, I don't, I don't care about that anymore. Neither it's, do I. But that's a fun
1: it, one.
4: That is because that's
1: one. one that they can go. And they can prove that right now, but they choose not to.
4: Why does my uh, Why does my grandparents speak German in Argentina? That's a good question. <laughs>
2: uh.
0: Oh. Wow. because we're German, son. Einstein. Oh, no. So, well, with that, I mean, we have uh, anything anything else coming to mind? Anything in the in the corner of Andrew Joseph that he wants to bring about?
4: Well, he was asking earlier about what I was thinking about and it, it popped back in my head. He was talking about debt and uh, yeah. Dead is basically like falling into quicksand, you know. The more you struggle, the harder it is for you to get out of it.
0: Yes, you are a thousand percent correct. Yeah, it's like that. It's like the clip and the replacement when they're all having a good time. They're sitting sitting there during film session going over. And uh, what was in the the questions asked, well, what is your greatest fear that you got to overcome on that football field? And then Shane Falco, Keanu Reeves. Um, he's the only one that brings something. Everybody else has these goofy answers, but Keanu Reeves, um, he he answers with quicksand, and then they're like, oh, then they start having a freak out about it. It's comedy, like actual quicksand, but that's exactly what it is. So I mean, quicksand, as in the fact that it, you're you're slow, you're struggling so much, and a and it's just slowly deteriorating you down. I mean that it becomes so fearful to try to get out. No matter how much you try to struggle to get out, you, it just keeps pulling yeah. you. So, and that's what it sounds like that is. I mean, especially when they just bring out the money printers.
4: And you know, the more money they print, the you know, you may be making $10, $12 an hour, but that's that just makes it harder for you to swim. It's just, it mm-hmm. makes it heavier on your, on your financial stability
0: mm-hmm so that means 25 dollars an hour right yeah
4: there you go that'll that'll, that'll fifty dollars
1: an hour or you're a nazi 10, doesn't make 000. any sense does it ten thousand dollars <laughs> an hour or you're a commie mm. what does that even mean yeah <laughs> Exactly. I'm sorry,
4: I don't quite understand. Could you could you define <laughs> what a communist is?
1: Hey, could you find me a communist what? that pays ten thousand dollars an hour, please?
0: <laughs> let me let me go let me go <laughs> <of> rice fields. <laughs> In field. Oh, there's there's Tommy Ching. He's been dead for fifteen years. <laughs> wow.
1: Nobody yeah. even knew. And I thought I... the government was supposed to keep track of that. Mhm, mhm.
4: Could I offer you a nice skull in this trying times? <laughs>
2: uh,
0: oh shit! Well, well, I guess uh, we will go ahead and wrap this thing up. I think it's it, what, what kind? What time are we at there, Andrew? Um, we got about eight minutes left. Well, yeah, let's let's wrap it up then on that end. So, uh, this this was a pleasure. So, um, we're glad to have you on Kasi and, uh definitely, uh, if you ever, ever want to come back on, I mean, let me all... get
1: my shit figured out and then I'll come back on and we'll start talking about some agorism.
0: Hell yeah. <laughs> yeah. There you go. We got to get out there. We got to get our shit cleared. All of us get our debt out of the way. And then, then we yeah. can focus on the, the agoristic pursuits. <laughs> so, so, but, um, uh, with that, I mean, wonderful to to have you come on, tell your tell your story, and get it, let let you vent a little bit, and then uh, and then get into some other some other details too on just everything for even the conspiracy hour. So that was fun. <laughs> uh, and uh, but uh, this, yeah. So anything else for you, Andrew, in your corner? One more thing. No, no so,
4: I'm good. Thanks for visiting us, man.
0: Well, oh, man, you can follow Cassie at. Uh, subscript pirate over on x or twitter or whatever you want to call it or that, that bird app the bird app that x bird app uh and then uh i don't know we'll, we'll we'll uh we'll plug that dangerous thoughts discord in there do you want to yeah go
1: to- um oh. so we have at dangerous thoughts on youtube and we are live every sunday at 6 p.m pacific 9 p.m eastern standard time and manu will be back with us next sunday uh, and we also have a discord server that you guys can join us on and
0: the link is in my profile on that that bird app
1: Mm -hmm.
0: just follow follow him on the bird app and you can get get that link so so uh this has been another great episode of the legacy right so i am the legacy of jennifer and kaiser i am zachary kaiser buckeye zag this is
4: andrew joseph
0: hallelujah (laughs) <laughs> and we will see you next time. Peace. See you guys.
2: But,
5: ladies good. and gentlemen, I'm Pete I'd like to welcome you to WW Nightfall. But will you, watch you, climb in the ring, and try out the largest arms in the world. Oh. you want to wrestle an or more, Ric Flair, you got to be able to watch that out, and style, and profile. Woo! You really think you're ready for? It? You really think you're ready for the Scorpion Deathlock? You think you're ready for a fatal encounter? This is why they call me the Total Package. Do you have a pain threshold to withstand the full let's find out.
3: Hello, here's Alex Wright. If you High-Flying Wrestling Action, Spinning Sidekick, Top turnbuckle Dropkick,
2: then take me mich. the winner is sicher, sicher. My God.
5: Ooh, yeah! Watch the point! It off the top rope. only see people one, two, three, but I hurt a real fast! It only takes one of a thousand holes.
3: I think you're man enough for the challenge.
2: You better be ready to wrestle, because, you know, when you get in the ring with
5: Eddie Guerrero, it's gonna be high flying and exciting. Hey, anytime you feel fuzzy, man, I'll slap on the buzz killer and rip your shoulder right out of socket, wolf pack time! Hey, 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 Funky Boy! Like there's a choice here? Good God! Get the man with the plan, pick deep, deep, deep. There. You want to play the game? You want to play with the big boy? Put your feet on the button, cause when you go down 110 feet, it's gonna be on
2: like neck bone, sucker. This is Booker T from Harlem Heat, hardcore OG Brother from 110 feet. The minute you pop, got the gut, to step up to the plate, push the plate.
5: Yo, Chief you selected Scott Hall? Get ready for a wild ride on the outside. Hey there! How'd you like to get powered, Bob? Come on, Thank me. i will begging you, make me. Please, me. 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 You think you got the courage to step in the ring? I think you're gonna wind up with a snap and net with a joke Technical wrestler, high flyer, brawler, it don't matter what you consider yourself to be. When you're in the ring with the Crippler,
2: you're a loser.